Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, and you're listening here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? And welcome into the show, everybody. Once again, Jesse Cass here with you for another brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. And as always, we have a great show for you on deck here. Uh, a really good guest, Drew Viney, uh, one of the most talented Lions in the past decade. He's number 16 all-time in points scored overall and point-per-game average at over 16 points a game, one of the 16,000-point scores in LMU history. And he did it in just three seasons with school after transferring from Oregon. Really talented player uh, and a really great guy. I think one of the best conversations we've had on the LMU Basketball Podcast, and I think that you're going to really enjoy it. Before we get there, just want to quickly let you know that if you do enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars on iTunes. You can also find us on all of your favorite directories, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find all the shows here on the Believe Podcast Network on Believe.com, and also follow us along at Believe Podcast, and follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Casper. All in any updates pertaining to LME Basketball and this LME Basketball Podcast, but with that said, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get you a great conversation right now with LMU basketball player, former Lion, Drew Viney. Here it is on the LMU Basketball Podcast. All right, I'm now joined here on the LMU Basketball Podcast by my guest, uh, former LMU Lion, Drew Viney. Drew, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, Jesse, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, and Drew, uh, we were both uh, students at the same time in LMU. I was obviously working, building up to get into the broadcasting side, and you were you know, doing great things with the LMU basketball team. Uh, but you originally started at Oregon. Uh, what led you to originally choose Oregon and then the decision to, to transfer and then ultimately come to LMU? Well, when I was first leaving high school, one of my best friends, Cameron Brown, he uh, played basketball at Modern Day. I'd grown up playing with him, and he uh, he had a scholarship to go to University of Oregon. So he and I wanted to play together, and I took a trip up there. It just seemed like a good fit for us. And then um, right before I left up there, the assistant coach that was recruiting me, he had uh, he had taken a job down to UCLA. So while I was at Oregon, it was kind of a – it was an iffy situation. I, I liked it. It was a great campus, great school, but I just felt a little away from home. So I uh, wanted to transfer after my freshman year, and and LMU seemed like a cool place. I was, I was, it was right next to my family's home. So transferring down to LMU just seemed like a good fit. I felt at home. Everybody was really welcoming to me, so I just came down. Came down right after that, and soon after that, I met you, and I, I remember that. Was, that, was, that was the good old days, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, you mentioned you know, the assistant coach who originally recruited you went to UCLA. Did you have any yeah. thought about transferring to UCLA, staying in the same conference and going there, or what was the ultimate uh, deciding factor no, I, on you? I, I could if I stayed in the same conference, I would have had to sit out two years. Oh, okay. So yeah. that, I didn't really want to do that. I wanted to uh, I wanted to play as soon as possible. So transferring to the WCC would would have been a good idea for me. And and I remember seeing Steph Curry at Davidson, like maybe a year before that. Yeah. How he did in the tournament, and I was really inspired to try to get 
a, a school like LMU, a little smaller school and a, and a lesser conference than the Pac-10, Pac-10 back then, and now the Pac-12, uh, to get them to the uh, NCAA tournament. And that was, that was my my goal in college. We never got there, but we were close. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, you were a part of two of the, the better teams in the last you know 20 years, really, for the Lions with the 18-win team you guys had and then the, the 21 season you had. Uh, what do you remember from those years about as you said, not quite getting to the NCAA tournament, but making postseason play in, in two of those years. Yeah, you know, we we, we had a good team, and I still still stay in contact with a lot of those guys. Um, it was just fun, man. It was, it was just that was basketball was a fun time. We had a good time playing with each other. Um, we learned a lot. You know, we, we were kind of in a, a difficult situation because when we first got there, we were three and twenty eight. Yeah, and we had to turn turn everything around. We had to re um, restructure how basketball was looked at and how the basketball team was perceived by our school and by our conference. And and like that was our that was our goal is to change how everybody thought about our team. So I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, it was it was difficult at times, but but man, it was, it was fun. I, I really liked that time. Yeah, I mean, you guys were a really fun and as you mentioned, talented team to watch um for you individually it seemed like your game was a little bit ahead of its time where where basketball is now as far as being you know that stretch four type of player where you could obviously shoot shoot the ball incredibly yeah. uh but also take it inside and off the dribble did you know did you feel that when you were playing at that time that you had a unique skill set that that obviously made it hard for other guys to guard you yeah absolutely i, I mean that, that was one of our my my father and and one of my best friends who's he was my uh, they were my coaches when I was young and, and they really had the uh, the forward thinking idea for me to be like that so they they ingrained that in me since I was a little kid and said that hey I was going to be tall you need to be able to handle the ball you need to be able to shoot um, you need to play defense which I, unfortunately <laughs> I didn't get the defense side until later on in my career but. Uh, but no, they, they, they trained me offensively, and, and it took me a really long way, man. I was really lucky to have those people in my life, and, and they uh, they taught me my skill set. And, and I remember I was maybe sixth or seventh grade where they taught me a little jab series and my shooting form and everything, and I've used that same um, group of skills all the way to uh, all the way to last year when I, when I stopped playing. Yeah, and... You mentioned, uh, you know, the defense aspect of things. I know you had a couple of, of foot injuries. Did that was that ever a factor in you kind of fulfilling your potential or making it tougher those roads to get back from from those injuries uh, to play? Absolutely, man. I mean, the, the first one I had was in my senior year in high school. I had a stress fracture, and then I went up to Oregon, had another stress fracture. Came down here. Um, I had some some light injuries through through college, and then my senior year I had another stress fracture. So. Um, yeah, it definitely hampered my my progress. I, I was less athletic once I once I was was injured, you know. Yeah. So it used to be, I felt like I was really uh, really on the more athletic end of, of a lot of the basketball players. Was able to jump really high and run fast. And then after the injuries, my vertical was getting less and less, and I was I felt a little less quick. So um, and some people would call it smooth, and no, I was I was slowing down. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, but no, it was it was that I really uh, that was my uh, that was kind of the Achilles heel, if you'd say. I always thought I had a good chance of making the NBA, but um, the injuries injuries were a big part of it. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah no unfortunate, kidding. but, you know, that's just a part of the game. You know, that's, you see a lot of players. I mean, look at Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson. They just recently have two major injuries. You know, we don't know how, how they're going to come back. I, I mean, hopefully they, they got the best trainers in the world, you know, so hopefully they can come back strong. But, you know, injuries are a part of the game, and it's just tough to come back from them. Yeah, no question. I mean, there's so many talented players. You just mentioned two of the best in the world, but whose whose careers have either been altered or cut short by injury. So it's yeah. you said it's an unfortunate part of the game. Um, and you did mention that NBA path. You got you know a couple of looks in the NBA summer league uh, out of out of LMU uh, with the Heat and the Lakers in back to back years. What was that experience like for you? Uh, Miami was incredible, man. That was my first year coming out. I, I had a I was very close to making the team. Yeah, um, yeah. Your number, your numbers were like, good in that in the summer league. That yeah, year. you know, I had a great time, man. They they were they had just came off their first championship, so it was it was a time down there in Miami where everybody was like feeling very confident, and very high. And, and when I came down there, um, they passed that confidence on to me, and, and so I, I felt like like I was at the top of my game, and and they just didn't have a position for me. Ray Allen had just gotten traded from Boston. Uh, Mike Miller was unsure if, if he was going to get uh, if he was going to come back. He was going to have back surgery that year, um, so I was going to fill into that role. But uh, Mike decided to come back, and and Ray Allen decided to to uh, get traded from Boston down to Miami. I remember we were we were in practice. It was like the we we do a week of practice for before the summer league, and then we go down to Las Vegas and uh, play the the week down there as well. And the, the, the sixth day in Miami, I was feeling pretty good. I was like, okay, uh, there's one open shooter position. I think I'm going to be all right. Okay. I, I could make this team. And I see Ray Allen walking to the door <laughs> with with the gray suit on. And I'm like, oh, no, man. And I'm like, I, I asked Norris Cole. I'm like, Norris, is, is Ray Allen getting traded? He was like, yeah, they just signed him today. I was like, oh, come <laughs> on, man. It's like, I'm not beating out Ray Allen, you know. Yeah, when so. when you're looking for a shooter, and then one yeah. of the, one of the best in the world walks in, that's a, yeah, the that's best a... all time. At, at that point, he was number one all time. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I could probably call my agent and tell him to find something different. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that was a cool experience, man. Yeah, and with, with Miami, I know you said it's only a week that you're in practice, and then obviously going to Vegas. But yeah, they're known for kind of a legendary uh, training and, and fitness program with their players. Did you go through that with them as well? Absolutely. Um, that was. The first couple days were a shock to me. Yeah, uh, I didn't know what to expect, and, and it was it was intense. It was pretty brutal. Um, but once I got comfortable, it was on the third or fourth day, so I was in pretty good shape. But when when you do something you've never done before, and, and it's your your it's kind of a, a mental game too. You know, it's like like well, I don't know what I'm expecting, and I'm I'm going as hard as I can. Um, but once I got comfortable with it, and the, the coaches were were very positive and supportive. Um, it became easier, and, and that was a uh, that was a really cool experience to go through and to see what the NBA guys do and how they train, um, the type of like little tricks here and there that they do for recovery or um, or their eating habits. You know th- those sort of things you don't pick up until you get to the highest level. So uh, that was really cool to to, to speak with them and, and have them pass off some knowledge onto me that I was able to use. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's. That's an awesome, awesome uh, 
tale to hear. It's an awesome experience. Uh, looking back on your your LMU career, you obviously yeah. played for for Max Good. Uh, you know, we've talked with some other guys from your era and that team. Uh, we know he's such a such a colorful guy. He can be very intense, but also a loving guy. What was what was it like with Max, and what was your relationship like with him? You know, he and I have a special relationship. We uh, we we were hot and cold at sometimes, but but you know, I love him, and he 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 was always very supportive of me. Um, it, it took him a long time, I think, to figure out how to coach me. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I feel like I'm just a kind of a, a baby sometimes <laughs> like I, I need to be I don't know I was a, a, a little bit of a prima donna and I hate to say it but you know it's true um, and it, it took him a little while to figure it out and, and the one thing that he really wanted to change in me was my defense and my offense was okay and he, he thought that I, I could work a little bit harder um, but he really wanted me to focus more on my defense because he wanted me to play at the highest level yeah so um, it took him a long time to figure out how to talk to me, and, and um, but but you know he he and I we we spoke. I think he and I spoke more than anybody else, um, to, because he was just trying to figure out say okay what do you need how can we get you to the next level. Um, he spent twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, trying to figure out how he can help our team grow and how we can get better. Um, so we were lucky to have him in there. I mean, he's a great person. He's got a big heart. We always came over to his house for for lunch or dinner, and you know, he's he's got his crazy stories and stuff. <laughs> so, you know, Max is a great guy. You know, I miss him. I haven't seen him in a little while. So yeah, he he was he was good for me as as a coach in college, and he definitely built the toughness factor that I that can't be taken away. You know, I, I can go play anywhere and somebody can scream at me and, and I really don't care <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've been there before so yeah they've been there done that we, we what next no but, but it's, it's you take the volume out and you let the uh, you try to figure out what message he's trying to get across and uh, well, once you figure that out you're like okay I got you like I can let me go out and, and try to do what you want me to do so. yeah in talking to you know a lot of former Lions doing this podcast uh, I think it's something that not only of course with LMU but just in, in college basketball and in athletics in general but you mentioned kind of figuring it out later on or looking back and learning yeah. those lessons. Is that something where it's just, you know, you're, you're obviously, you know, an 18 year old kid, like needing the maturation to, to look back on it that way, rather than being in the moment, being able to accept it as it is. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it, it, I think with, with my side and, and with, with coach Max, um, trying to get me to play defense it, it there was nothing he could have said at that time for me to figure it out it had to have been a maturation process for me yeah to want to focus on it you know and once i decided to focus on it probably my third or fourth year as a pro uh it became really easy and i was like i just want to play defense now i want to be the best defender and i want to guard the best player and it had to that that process had to click for me internally and um i he, I think he started it, and he was able to get me to a, a, a point where I can grow off of it. But if I had made that decision earlier, I mean, you look back on it and say, oh, man, I wish I could have done this earlier. Um, you know, everything he was telling me was correct. It was true. So uh, it's just, you know, it's just how it goes. Some things you learn faster than others. Sometimes you pick things up um, in the moment, and sometimes you look back and like, yeah, I should have. I wish I should have. Wish I. How do you say it? Should have, would have, could have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's okay, man. I was gonna say, yeah. It definitely 
turned out okay, as we said. You're, you know, number 16 all-time in LMU in scoring, uh, you know, same in points per game average, and of course mentioned the two postseason appearances and all the great seasons you had with LMU. Uh, does anything stick out, any one game or one moment uh, stick out for you when you look back at some of your finest performances or the team's finest performances in your era? Um, you know, the, the one game that I really enjoyed was was beating Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Mm. That, that was a very cool because my grandparents, that was the only game my grandparents came to see me. Oh, wow. They're, they're on the, in, in Tennessee. And uh, since then, my grandma's passed away. And so that was that was a special time. That was the last game that she saw me play. And um, that, that, that really holds a special place in my heart. I have a plaque of, uh, of us beating uh, Notre Dame, the scoreboard and the scorecard, a picture with my family, with my aunt, my uncle, and my two grandparents. And my, my parents were out there too. So that was, a, that was a really cool game for me personally. And then, of course, beating Gonzaga. Anytime we can beat Gonzaga, yeah, you know, I'm so happy. Like uh, I can't stand those guys. Like, they're, <laughs> they're good people, but it's just the idea of Gonzaga. I just, yeah, I just, uh, we got to beat them, you know. So we beat them a couple of times. I think I beat them two or three times. Yeah, so those were, those were cool moments too. I was gonna say really you were, cool. you were part of the uh, the last group that that has done it at least up until this point. So it's uh, as you said, it's always a, an exciting thing when you're able to take down you know the the top dog in the conference. Yeah, they're tough, man. I mean, the, the kid, Rio, Rio what, what was his last name? Oh, Hachimura, yeah. Yeah, he's, he was a good player, man. He played um, the team that I recently played for in Toyama, Toyama, Japan. He's from Toyama, and the general manager was like, oh, we're going to get this kid. I'm like, no, you're not. He's going to the NBA. <laughs> he, he's a good player. Yeah. So, well, you were right yeah. on that with Hachimura. He went ninth in the NBA draft, so yeah. you are right he's about that He's good, one. man. He's going to have a good career. Yeah, no question. Uh some of the other games that, that come to mind, I know, that, as you said, the Notre Dame one was incredible. What do you remember from uh, the San Francisco? I mean, you guys play, every time it seemed like you played them, it was down to the wire or some crazy comeback. But yeah. the last one in your, uh, I believe in your senior year, or maybe maybe in junior year, at home, when you put up 60 points as a team in the second half to overcome a 20-point deficit, uh, what do you remember from that game? I remember, I remember five or six plays in a row at the very end of the game that that really um, that really set the tone on on how on on that it was possible for us to make the tournament. You know, we were late in the season that year, yeah. and um, we weren't sure. Like we we always wanted to go to the NCAA tournament. We weren't sure how good we really were and how collective, like how good we were as a as a unit. Like how collectively can we play together to get past. Gonzaga, past St. Mary's, past BYU, and and get selected in the tournament. And there was four or five or six plays at the very end of the game where we just played really well together, made some big shots. We were down, and um, and we came out on top. I think that was an overtime game, was it? Yeah, yeah. It was. I think both the for the uh, both games that we played during the season that year against San Francisco, we beat them in overtime, and then we. In the conference tournament, we lost to them, and I think in the conference tournament we were a little. Um, we thought that we had beat them twice, but we didn't remember how hard it was to beat those guys. Yeah. Um, so they kind of snuck up on us and, and handled us in the tournament. We lost our bid to the NCAA, so that was a bummer for us. But but that UCF game was. Um, they, they were always competitive. It was it was always the toughest, like the hard nosed game that we would have uh, throughout the season. I always respected those guys. 
and good coach too. I forget the guy's name, but he's a good coach. I believe it was uh, was it Rex Walters at the time was there? I, yes, I, I, yes, I do. Yes, that, that's him, Rex, right. Coach Rex. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's a good coach. And like you said, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't make the NCAA tournament that year, but you did make uh, the CIT tournament, and you actually had a good run in that tournament. Uh, a couple of wins, including a home overtime win over Weber State uh, and Damian Lillard. That's right. That's uh-huh. right. We knocked out Damian Lillard. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know at the time there was some hype around, you know, that's obviously his senior season as well, that this guy's going to be an NBA player and a lottery pick. Uh, but did you have any idea the type of player you were playing in that game and then, as you said, being able to overcome him and win that game? Yeah, we, we had – they had, Chris Farr had told, I think Chris Farr used to uh, work him out during the summertime. So he had told us about the kid and how good he was and that the NBA was watching him. They had a lot of scouts that were sitting at the game. So we were all prepared for it. And we knew we knew who we were going up against. We had to stop him. The rest of his team was okay. Yeah. But he was a stud. You know, he was going to be a guy that, that we really had to focus on. And uh, watching him in the film was like, okay, this guy's... This guy looks really good. He looks kind of like a Steve Francis, uh, Stephon Marbury type of um, athleticism and handle, and he can shoot like Steph Curry. Like, this is an interesting matchup, right? Yeah. Um, and so we he only had four points going into halftime. He end, ended with 31, I think. <laughs> Either 31 or 35. And it was at the end of the game. Was, we had, there's nothing we could do to stop the guy. You know, He was hitting shots from 35 feet. You know, coming across half court, one drill in and out, pull up three. You know, we were—I think we were up ten or twelve, and he'd come back, and we—I think they almost put it into overtime. But we ended up winning the game, and uh, I really—if I, I could put a, a badge of honor on on one of my jackets for taking out and ending Damian Lillard's college career, <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, it's—it's in—it's—it happened. It's in the books, and it's uh, in the record books. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he did have yeah. a, you know, he has that iconic shot from the playoffs this year, but as you said, it, it must have felt pretty familiar for the fact that he did send that game against you guys in overtime with about a 35-footer. That He did, you know, off the glass, if I remember correct. Yeah, you know, like I not, was getting under the basket, he shot it, and I was like, oh, no, that's it. <laughs> he made it. It's okay. This guy. Yeah. This Incredible guy. player, though. Yeah, but like you said, you were you were able to overcome them and, and continue in that tournament. Uh, you mentioned you keep in touch with some of your teammates still. Um, what do you remember from playing with those guys? You said it's such a talented team with you know Anthony Ireland and Ashley Hamilton and, and Jared Dubois and some of the guys you played with. Uh, what do you remember from playing with those guys? Well, two things in particular. One, how much fun we had off the court. You know, we, we were all a very close unit team. Like we we hung out all the time. We we lived together. Um, that was a special time in our lives, you know. We uh, um, we we just we were in our growing phase, you know. We're 20, 18 to twenty two years old, you know. We're all kids trying to figure it out away from home, so we all kind of leaned on each other to figure out how to grow and how to be a man, you know. Um, and so that number one, and then second, just how competitive everyone was. We all wanted to win. Um, sometimes it got in the way of of how how close we can play together like on the court because we wanted to be we were so competitive but um i think our 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 edge got us a lot of wins that that we didn't really deserve um so i thought i thought we were a very talented team Uh, we we were super athletic had a bunch of guys that are 
I mean, I think we we have five guys that are still playing professionally um, off that team. Yeah. Anthony's still playing. I think Vernon was still playing. Uh, JD's uh, in Detroit, I believe, playing or uh, coaching. Yeah, yeah, we had JD on uh, on our first episode, actually. Yeah, so he's doing well. A- Anthony Ireland's still overseas. Um, Ashley Hamilton as well. Yeah. Ashley Hamilton's in London. Yeah, Ashley's my guy. <laughs> funny guy, yeah. Yeah, so we we had we had I mean we had a talented team. So um, all those guys I still keep in contact with a lot of them, and, and uh, I think a couple of them got married. Deja got married recently. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, everyone's growing up, you know. But it was a cool time to to be able to uh, to be together at that time of our lives with that group of guys. Yeah, no question about it. And and you mentioned that you've just wrapped up your own professional career. I know you played in in France and Spain, and you just mentioned uh, Japan. Uh, yeah. What was it like to have that overseas experience and you know experience so many different cultures while while being paid to play basketball? Really special, man. It's it's that's something that you, that you, you always dreamed of having something where you can where you can travel the world and go see other cultures. And we I feel like we live in this bubble in in Los Angeles and in, in America where uh, we have we're really privileged here in America and the people that live here, a lot of them don't understand how special it is to be here. So to leave and go see other countries and go see other cultures that uh, may not have the things that we have or may not have the weather that we have or may not have the, uh, the nice people that we have, you know, like there's, there's some crazy stuff going on in the world. So going out and see it and then coming back, it's, it's, it's an eye opener for sure. And the other side is, is, there's so many nice people out there that that um, it's it's cool to meet people from different cultures, you know. And sometimes you don't speak the same language, but um, you speak body language, and like there's there's a there's always a connection between people in different cultures, and everybody's all the same. We just speak different languages, so um, I think that I had a really special experience going to play in both in in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, and over in Asia, you know, going to see different cities and see how cultures have been for the past thousands of years, you know, um, seeing old architecture and talking to people, eating their food, um, and living on their time, you know, so, um, a very cool experience. And then basketball is, basketball is special. There's a, I've seen a lot of talented players that I think should probably be in the NBA. Um, but they're, they're playing in their own country and having a good time. Um, so yeah, man, it's, Every place is a little different. The food is always different in every, every place, but you find some really cool, uh, some, some good food that you may not know about. Like in Spain, we have some Mediterranean food that, that I, I mean, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> there's nothing here like it. You know, yeah. the, sushi, the sushi in Japan or the rice in Japan is phenomenal. So um, very cool experiences just being able to, to get out and travel the world and, and see what's out there. Yeah, no. That, as you said, that's that's really really special and very cool to hear. Um, were there any specific crowd countries that had wild crowds, or what was the the encore experience like? As Serbia. far as you know, Serbia, Serbia and <laughs> Italy. Italy's got a crazy crazy fan group. Yeah, uh, we went down to a place called Sassari or Sassari, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, my first year in Spain, or not Spain, uh, France. The, the very first game that I uh, joined my team in France, we'd flown down to, to Italy, we flew into Rome, and then uh, I think Sassari is an island off of Rome, so we took a, a small jet out there, 
and played in this Euro Cup game. Uh, we ended up beating them, but it was the craziest atmosphere I've ever been in. It was just bigger than a high school gym, but it was fully packed. Everybody's standing around, cheering, screaming, chanting the whole game. <laughs> and then after the game, we beat them, and they, the like the the fan, the fan group, like it would be like the student section for LMU. Yeah, they made food for us and they fed us after the game. <laughs> we all ate with each other. It was, it was incredible. That's so awesome. That. Yeah, <laughs> that was a cool experience. Great food too. Gosh. Yeah. Is it which country had had the best food? I know you said that you just gave a couple of examples, but uh, what was the best for you? Um, the best food. I mean, the Italian. I didn't play in Italy. Like I didn't have a season in Italy, but I played that game there. That was some incredible food. Yeah. Um, France has the best bread by far. Yeah. Not even. Not even close. <laughs> and then, uh, and Japan has. I mean, I loved the curry in Japan. I used to. Have, there's a restaurant called Coco Ichiban. Yeah. It's actually, there's one on Santa Monica. Uh, it's oh, wow. like a little curry restaurant. Yeah, my favorite restaurant. Um, they have great rice. And so uh, the sushi from there, it's, you get something different from every place. You know, it's got to go here for that. You got to go there for this, you know. So France, has been, France and Japan were, were great food. All right, well, and, uh, we got the and, recommendation for an L.A. spot out of that, too. So. I know. Coco yeah. Ichiban, I think it's on Santa Monica. It's a yellow sign. It's like Coco Curry House or Coco. Ichiban means best, you know. So, so the best curry. Yeah. The Coco Ichiban. All right, we'll add it. To, yeah, we'll add it to food, the yeah. list. Don't go sure. too spicy though. You'll you, you'll be on your mouth will be on fire. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's good advice, uh, Drew. This has been a. Uh, it's been really fun. Uh, it's been good to catch up with you, and great to hear that. You've done so well professionally uh, and internationally, and, and it's uh, it's been great. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Jesse, I appreciate it, man. It's good catching up with you. Yeah, we'll definitely do it again sometime soon. All right, brother. And once again, a big thanks to Drew Viney for coming on the show and being such a great guest here in the LMU Basketball Podcast. And thank you once again for tuning in. If you do enjoy the show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Any of those ratings and reviews always help us out, so we appreciate that. Now, you can also follow us on your favorite directories, Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on all your favorite social media platforms. You can also follow along with me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass. And just continue to enjoy the show. Uh, as we said, over at Believe.com, a lot of other great shows and more and more shows coming uh, as the summer progresses. So stay tuned for that as well. But once again, a big thanks to Drew Viney. Thanks to everyone else for tuning in. Know that if you are enjoying the LMU Basketball Podcast, you can only hear it here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Lions. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.